everybody. Welcome to Show Me Hope. Welcome to our first episode of season two. Amazing! Don't clap onto the mic. Oh, oh my okay. god! <laughs> What a great start to our first episode of the second season. I know it's long awaited. <laughs> Yay! Cheers! Cheers! Wow. Okay, we're gonna talk about something that's. A bit more serious, or maybe very serious. Pretty, pretty damn serious <laughs> today. Something that we've been thinking a lot about ever since COVID, because clearly COVID has given us a <laughs> lot of time to think. Yes, and I remember last time I was saying how, uh, like, we were trying to tell you more what we are going to talk about in season two. And we're like, yeah, we're going to talk about um, life in Singapore and like reflecting on what it means to be Singaporean and this and that. And she's like, well, wasn't that already season one? <laughs> so what's the difference? The difference is that we are going to be going into more in depth about our discussion, with a lot more thoughts and more. reading. Yeah. So what we're trying to do differently is to uh, plan plan ahead of the episodes we want to record and to um, look for other resources so that we can actually have a more meaningful discussion. That's right. Yay. So for today's one, we're actually going to talk about the Singaporean mentality and what's a typical Singaporean. Yes, we really want to deep dive into our national psyche, <laughs> like what makes us who we are, why we do the things that we do, so that we have more courage to do the things that we want to do. Wow! Are you trying <laughs> to say that we are all limited and bound by the expectations of society? Well, I can't speak for all of Singapore, but I can speak for <laughs> myself that uh -huh. I do feel a mm. little trapped in this aspect, and I want to be able to break free. Break free. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because we just went to see an exhibition at the Art Science Museum. Yes. Uh, that was called I think it was called Margins or something, and basically it was a photography exhibition that uh, featured fifteen Singaporean photographers, and they were looking at uh, what does it mean to be Singaporean and what what is like the idea of home and how Singapore as a young country is still like kind of in between and trying to figure it out. That's right. So, okay, if I, oh, I have the description in front of me right now. Mm -hmm. A redrawing of dividing lines and a reframing of people and places we think we know. We think we know. Interesting. Uh, well, we are, we, I mean, partly we went to see the exhibition also because we wanted to uh, gain some insights for this episode. Get uh, inspiration. W were you inspired by the <laughs> exhibition? It was it was alright lah, you know, we, we talked about it, um, that it was a little bit surface level. Um, yeah, and it felt a bit tokenistic for yep. me. Yeah, yep. it But just showed like, okay, we have... And I can understand why that whole idea of nostalgia is so strong or so. It's just like saying, look, we have these places and they're gone. Or like, look, these people live in Singapore and we also have a lot of um, immigrants here. Like, yay, look at them. And that was kind of it. We do wish that the show have been developed a bit more. Mm. Like if they could go further into it. But we never know. Maybe the next exhibition would be more interesting, <laughs> more insights, more inspiration. It was it was all right. La. I mean, I think the some of the photographs were pretty good. So, uh, but of course, uh, in terms of what it uh, dealt with, like the idea of what is Singapore or what is like um, the urban landscape, mm, I felt like it was also a really small exhibition. So it was just 
um, very very like touching the the Touch surface. And go. Yes, um, like there wouldn't be anything that you don't already know to be honest. So maybe it was a bit for for tourists as well. Being Given the location, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> which brings us back to today's episode, mm-hmm. where we, yeah, exactly. Like we want to understand. Maybe we can mm-hmm. start with what is the fundamental fundamental mindset of, of Singapore. Singaporeans. Yes, you know, we want to like look deep within ourselves <laughs> and try to understand why why <laughs> we all have this group think or we feel trapped within this certain ideas. So like f- certain fundamental mindsets or like certain characteristics that we always associate with Singaporeans. Kiasu, kiasi, kia whatever. Basically, like feel. Yeah, we are so much driven, the entire, well, maybe not the entire society, but it just feels like everyone is driven by fear. Fear of losing out, fear of being left behind, fear of not doing enough, mm. fear of whatever it is really. Like you see people getting married, see people having mm. have kids, yeah. have a job. Yeah, yeah, driven by fear. Yeah, I think that's very true. That um, we were talking about how this, the opposite of that would be like driven, be be driven by want or, or desire of, uh, you actually have something you want to pursue. But for the most of us, it's more of you don't want to be left out and you don't want to be the one that's like the failure or whatever that means. So, what do you think failure means in Singapore? Ooh. <laughs> what a loaded but also kind of simple question. Yeah, right. Yeah, just because that this whole narrative of what is a success is so narrow that like it, it is. Yeah. Well, well, if you talk about what is a success, we this person earns a lot, is married, mm. have kids, have a so-called good and proper family, and contributing to society. Mm. <laughs> cannot Basically, be a weak link in cannot society. Cannot be a weak link. <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, when you ask that question, I what comes to my mind is Straits Times and all those like success stories and all that. And you know, even if you don't follow the the prescribed like uh, best track possible, like doing well in PSLE, going to a SEP school, going to university, doing a government job or whatever that gives you a lot of money, um, if you didn't go down that so-called uh, planned out an easy road mm. there they will also always talk about people who went to ITE and then started their own business and doing really well or they went to ITE but against the odds still managed to go to university and get a degree in blah blah blah, blah that kind of stories so if we extrapolate from that the reverse or the failure of mm. whoever in society would be someone who did not manage to rise above and mm become you know from rags to riches move up the societal social ranks exactly and you know this this comes to a core of what we want to discuss today which is the whole idea of meritocracy that if you try hard enough and then you put in the effort it's always about oh this person against all odds uh you know mom's sick dad's sick everyone is sick (laughs) (laughs) but still doing so much and managed to comes from like uh what is it called like uh this privilege miss what's the opposite of privilege underprivileged right (laughs) 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 underprivileged family background but managed to get scholarship managed to do really well just because they put in so much effort and that's the kind of success story that is celebrated in singapore to say that because you put in so much effort therefore you're doing so well and if you are not doing well it means that it's your fault because you didn't put in enough yeah, effort, exactly. basically. Yeah, so that's the opposite of what a meritocratic uh, system and mentality is essentially preaching. Yes. 
we want to talk about, we were very inspired by The Tyranny of Merit by Michael Sandel, who talks about and discusses the idea that merit is 100%, meritocracy is based on 100% merit. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of it is due to luck, the circumstances that you were, you were born in, for example, what you bring to the society is what the society values as well, what you're good at, and that's why you are able to succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to uh, rehash, it's called the tyranny of merit. So it's actually, he's uh, looking at the whole meritocratic system and basically asking, helping us to question, like, is it really meritocratic or is it really what it, what is trying to, like, that aspirational value that is trying to sell you and well actually i didn't read the book and uh, did you i don't think no you i actually <laughs> listened to, we both listen to yes, the podcast yes yes so what we're um what we're talking about is uh it's actually based on the podcast that we listened to uh where michael sandal was uh interviewed by sam, sam harris. harris yes and the episode the podcast name is called making sense with sam harris and the episode is success failure and the common good you want to like recap some of the points that really stood out to you? Yeah, so we took down some notes. One line that really stood out to me is this, which is, you too can rise above poverty if you go to college. Narrative mm. contains an implicit insult, which is that if you don't have a university degree and you are struggling in the new economy, your failure must be your fault. Mm -hmm. And instead of focusing on arming people for meritocratic competition we should be focusing more on affirming the dignity of work mm, okay the second one is very interesting the dignity of work uh do you remember what he talked about work like in relation to uh how we how we value work in a meritocratic system which is that it's very tied to monetary compensation value. yes Meaning that, okay, let's say in a very, yeah, like in a very simple argument, if you work in financial institutions and you earn a lot of money, you must be very successful. But the question here would be, how much value are you truly bringing to the society, mm. like in your day-to-day -day work? Yeah. Or rather that because you're paid so much, people assume that you are giving a lot of value to society in a sense, but the work that you do itself as compared to like, essential worker just living getting a living wage doing job that nobody wants to do it's it might seem like oh from a monetary perspective it's completely uh unbalanced but mm. in terms imbalanced but in in terms of like the the, the true value yeah. of the work itself how do we determine this and how do we affirm this dignity so that people who actually falls out of the race, like they, they can't seem to, you know, so-called catch up to everyone else to earn enough, to live a good life. Seems to be fa failing. failing. Mm. Yeah. And for me, uh, when he was talking about the whole meritocratic system, and he gave a lot of great examples. Um, but like what really stood out to me was like the, the idea of like luck and how it's never truly fair. And he just used the example of LeBron James and like how he's lucky to be born into a society where people value basketball. Because otherwise, if he was born like a few hundred years before, people didn't really care about, about basketball. He could be the best basketball player and it doesn't make a difference. So just the fact that y when you are born into a society where your talents can actually shine or your interests are actually valued by society, that is already um, 
it, you are it already puts you luckier. ahead of other exactly. people. And it's not so much, so sure you put in a lot of effort, but someone else who puts in the same or if not more effort are not going to get the same kind of rewards that you will make from this society. Yeah. And now if you go back to talking about Singapore itself, mm. then the question would be, how do we help people? Or not even how do we help people, but how do we actually have a society where everyone flourishes? Oh, so tough. <laughs> Remember how we're saying how we, we you know think about this podcast and discuss mm. issues like as if we're making policies. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, we are ministers now having um. What is it that speakers model corner? UN fake UN <laughs> <laughs> make our own like fake parliament here. <laughs> That's yeah. us right now. Oh yeah, but you know it's it's important that we as being part of a, a democratic society, we're thinking about such things for sure, and also. Mm-hmm. feel better about ourselves when we don't do so well <laughs> um, yeah I, th- I think that's quite a loaded question to ask and for us to unpack uh, but I mean at least for me what I really took away from that episode talking about success, failure and the common good and uh, what Michael Sandor really drove was the point that compassion is really important because what happens to a meritocratic society is that the people who are where they are think that they got there based on their own efforts and their own hard work. Therefore, the people who uh, are not in a good place are completely because they don't work hard. So they have less compassion for the people who don't succeed and are doing well, which is actually the really dangerous thing. That's true. That's really true. We, yeah, we had this um, discussion and we said, you know, we have anecdotal experiences as well with friends mm. or with certain group of people that we've spoken to. And that, yeah, that will cause a lot of people on both ends of the spectrum to be very resentful. Like, why yeah. are they doing what they're doing? What the heck? Like, <laughs> whatsoever. Mm, so, compassion for me. Ooh. Yeah, that's my, my biggest takeaway. Like, because, and it's something that I think we can all be more aware of or so. Because to say that, oh, let's change the education system or something, it's like a, a big thing that's really not up to us as well. It's true. I think the f- small step is to first understand and acknowledge the issue yeah and like you say have more compassion so that we can approach anyone and everything we face in life with a more clear point of view yeah i guess you know it's just like just don't think so highly of yourself (laughs) your favorite kind of people (laughs) yeah just uh the obnoxious, like, I, I'm, like, so successful and I got here based on my own merit. Uh, yeah, I really don't like people who are super egoistic. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, well, yeah, we've talked about one of the fundamental uh, mentality or the driving force of our society in Singapore, which is meritocracy. And then that, that um, actually attends to a lot of the other things that we pursue here in Singapore. So we can talk a bit more about the other kinds of like typical Singaporean characteristics. We can there's like a prescribed Singaporean path that everyone should have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's usually a very conservative or traditional family. Everything you must follow law by law, you must follow the roots step one, step two, do well in school and then after you get out of school, get a scholarship in a ministry <laughs> and then mar- get married and have kids. 
two kids. Oh, have two kids. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, so so specific, right? <laughs> it's so specific, and that's such a narrow definition. I mean, how many people actually can fall into that path? And to be fair, there are people who are able to do so, and if they follow that path, they do pretty well in, in the society that yeah. that we are Iron in. Rice bowl. Yeah, that you have. Which then again is actually not so relevant today anymore. Yeah, COVID and everything. But it's still much better than of course any other path that that you'll be willing to take. So yeah, do we wanna talk about the um the married couple issue? Ah, yes. <laughs> the separation of work in a marriage. Yes. Uh, yeah, since we we're talking about because like we are BTO. two female hosts <laughs> who care about equality in marriages. Yes, yes, and, and also because we're talking about meritocracy, I do feel that it, it, um, like the same kind of mindset is also at play here, uh, because last time, just among our friends, we're talking about like, uh, the division of labor, but uh, but within a couple, a union, or like a marriage and things like that. And we're saying that well, usually the person who makes more money has more decision-making power. Or if um, the person who makes more money, or like the person who makes less money, or or maybe it's not working, is kind of expected to do to pick up the slack, as you said, to yeah. do more of the housework and other things, take care of the kids and things like that. So the result of that would be a situation where one person would be encouraged to do more, whatever it is that he's he or she is doing in their career whereas the person who is the home taker no homemaker homemaker <laughs> would then yeah would, would constantly be stuck in this position where the career becomes less of a focus mm. he, she has to take care of the family the kids and then at one point when she decides to go back out to 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 work yeah to work, to work again then mm. she always kind of has to start from scratch yeah 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 so you're always at a disadvantage and I mean, this goes back to the article that you more shared about, uh, but from I think it was Harvard Business. Yes, it's a Harvard Business, Business Review. Review. Yeah, article um, that was saying how well usually for for women who marry slightly older men who are more advanced in their career, like when they get a good opportunity uh, for career advancement, they usually have to let it go because the guy is already in a better position with, with more money. So in that sense, it's like you can almost never fulfill your potential because uh, your partner will always already be ahead of you. And therefore, like if we follow that logic of the person with um, more money has more decision-making power or like you know it's more important to, to keep that person's job, then the other person will never ever get a chance. That's true. And it's, it's really difficult. What is, the, what is the real equality or equal situation here? I mean... I don't know, man. But um, I guess same as the meritocracy one. The my my point is that uh, just because someone is the homemaker and it's not really making, in terms of monetary value, it's not really making enough. Doesn't mean that this person is doing less or like has less value in. Oh, you <laughs> in the relationship quote what your boyfriend says. Oh, as Max <laughs> says, uh, more money doesn't mean you're doing more work. That's right. Which is true, because you know this some. Is so true. Yeah, like some people, like your job just get gets paid better, and doesn't mean you're doing a very tough job, uh, as compared to like. Oh, if you go back to the very beginning of um, this episode, would be it doesn't mean you're bringing a lot yes. of value. 
whether it's into your society to into society or into your your household yeah so yeah i don't know what's a better way to rethink the situation but i guess at least by people realizing this it um lets them like have a reevaluation and a proper conversation about uh who has to give up what instead That's of like really tough it is but it's better than you know just uh so called prescribed that okay i'm making more and therefore I should be the one keeping Having my job. Having all the decision and all the <sighs> yeah, or just like I'm making more, so I don't do any housework or something like that. <laughs> Start small, something simple. Yeah. Oh my god, work salary man. <laughs> oh, favorite. Uh, yeah. Well, we can't assume that people know what's work salary okay. man. Okay, you wanna okay you wanna introduce work salary man? Uh, from what I know, uh, it's a comic that's. Um, mostly on Instagram, right? Like a social media comic that um, goes by the name of Woke Salary Man and he partners a lot with Singaporean authorities to teach people about p- personal finance. Yes. How do you save money? How do you invest? Yes. How do you plan become ahead. independent financially? Yes, and plan ahead in your life. And in the Singapore context. Yeah. yeah, so for him, he really feels that you have to... I mean, it's really easy for everyone to say, okay, yeah, we just very simply determine what's your value or what's your role in society based on how much you're earning, which is, of course, antithesis of what we are discussing today. (laughs) And he, what did he say again? Right, so we watched this interview. um, Very enlightening (laughs) interview. With work salary, man. Because, okay, so a bit of context is that I've sometimes, like, not sometimes, most of the time, look at his content with a bit of uh, like ironic lens because <laughs> I, I don't really agree with uh, a lot of the things that he's prescribing. Yes. Uh, not that his advice is wrong. I'm, I'm sure it's... It's like just su- not for you. Exactly. So his like, mentality towards life is that uh, you need to save a lot of money and like monetize all your hobbies and just like work... Hustle, hustle, ha- hustle. Yeah, hustle, 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 hustle. And then every inch of... Every moment of your life just make it profitable you cannot like get passive income don't, you cannot be staying still and I don't really agree with that because I think there are a lot of other things in life that are enjoyable and like just monetizing everything is not really the most which, <laughs> yeah, enjoyable which, which way of goes life. back to the point is that you, are, you just want to accumulate as much wealth as you possibly can just so that you have a backup plan or you have a safety net and then if sh- you know if shit hits the fan you're gonna be safe and you're gonna have all this money cushion you cushion your fault anytime that happened which is mm. not really what we are trying to encourage people to do today right well I mean I think it's still important but it's it just that um, as in it cannot consume you like if you don't have any hobbies like there are people who post um, this kind of things on forums like I'm 40 years old I'm 50 years old all my life I've just been saving money and then I don't have any time to develop oh hobbies I don't know what, what I want to do now I like 50. <laughs> yeah. It's the it's whole idea of retirement, right? Mm. So we just hustle, 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 work, work, work. And then when you reach 80 years old, you retire. Is that the what retirement age in Singapore? People want to retire early, okay? Right. But oh, so that's the entire point of exactly salary man. So you retire hustle, hustle, early. hustle, and then you retire when you're 60. Yeah, but then it's like... speaking. But there's another point of view, which is that you actually work, and then in between, you have like, two years quote unquote retirement oh is yeah it so it's like you phase out your retirement uh, across your entire life just taking life. breaks la. 
yeah, you can think of it that way. Yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, which makes sense because when you're younger, then you actually have the energy and the time and the to health. To do different things. Yeah, to do what you want to do that may be physically, mentally <laughs> demanding that you can't do when you're 60. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think the idea of having a sustainable uh, career is also quite important because burnout is very real. And I just feel that if you are working so hard to save money for retirement, but you don't actually know what you want to do after you retire, then that doesn't seem like there's much point. Yeah. Because like, you're making all this money for what? Those forums sound really sad. It's just like a bunch of old people that's like, I'm lost, I don't know what to do now. Yeah, I mean, I'm also lost now. Like, you will always be lost in life, I guess. <laughs> that's true. What's the really cheesy line? What? Like, you're not lost, you're just on a journey to find <laughs> something that you'd be like, oh my god, it's a light at the end of the tunnel. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I would say. Yeah, so work salary man. Anyway, so we watched this interview with him, and then, oh my god, he said something which is so appalling to me. He was like, you cannot be a weak <laughs> wait, 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 you didn't? Okay, we have to <laughs> explain it in more detail. Oh, what was, what was the context? The context was that he... He started talking about how he had a design in animation. No, he had a degree in animation. Yes, yes, yes. And then back when he was in school, he was doing a lot of like creations or coming up with whatever projects that he was doing. Creative expression. Yes, which he thought was contributing zero value to the society. Mm. And that only when he... Well, maybe that's... Maybe I'm misrepresenting him. (laughs) Doesn't matter. When he started monetizing his hobbies and making mm. more money, then he's like, oh, actually, now I'm then creating value to the society. And I guess that's extremely appalling for you because you also come from a creative background. Yeah, and he specifically said that, oh, we shouldn't be weak links in society. We need to contribute to nation building. We need to, like, and yeah, again, he, he's talking about that whole narrative of Singapore being in a very precarious situation and. Uh, we can't afford to just our national identity. Yeah, that is like yeah, we hold them as like be sit tight on needles, blah blah blah. <laughs> Small country, no resources. <laughs> we only have human beings. So and then yes. these human beings are refusing to procreate. So oh no, <laughs> pretty much um in danger zone all the time. <laughs> yeah, so you know we need to we cannot be lax. Cannot think about our creative self expression. <laughs> must contribute in more tangible ways. Is what he's saying. And now that he's getting sponsored by government authorities, I'm pretty sure he's doing quite well. So yeah, now yeah, he feels like he has more purpose in his artistic creations. Yeah, which is very sad lah, because again, it's like the, it's the amount of monetary value put onto it. And he did mention that, you know, now if let's say I can sell my work or if um, I'm representing Singapore in New York, then that puts Singapore uh, like on the world stage, then that makes me kind of like doing more important work so again it's like validation from others and like the monetary value and the prestige given to it because if without those then whatever work you create is pretty pointless is it back to the question of if a tree falls in the forest (laughs) and no one hears it did it fall in the forest Mm. yeah i mean i feel like when it comes to to art and creative labor it's a whole different discussion on, in terms of value like even within the uh the art industry there's no like so called um there's no a set 
there's no set standard for it. Yeah, because like, okay, so which means the qu- the idea of what is a successful piece of artwork. Yeah, la, that one, I, uh, it's, it's a whole entirely different discussion, <laughs> which we can leave for next time. Yep. <sighs> Singapore. <sighs> Oof. This, 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 like, talking about this make you feel more hopeful or like you can approach the situation better. No, I'm feeling a bit heavy-hearted at this <laughs> point. <laughs> I love you. Because it's called Show Me Hope. I know, I know. Hey, I mean, we're getting to it. We're getting to the point of transforming this heavy-heartedness into a ray of hope. Is there actually a, <laughs> is there actually a twist to this? Well, that's what we start out saying, right? Mm. Sorry, got a mosquito catching at the back that distracted me. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, which is that understanding your circumstance in life, of course, sure, you still have to put in hard work and put in effort. It doesn't mean like, oh, just give up, like, it's fine, doesn't matter. But you should still continue to work hard while at the same time try to figure out what makes you happy and what is the direction that you want to take in life and know that you're ultimately like even if you fail you're not really a failure Mm. you're a failure by society standard but by your own standard you're a star (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's not the best way to conclude this oh my god Singaporean mentality well do you think we can get out of this mentality you know maybe a lot of us always say that it's the previous generation but is this something that we can actually change from our generation or to the next generation even? I think that for one, we need to stop thinking that success is a rise in the social mobility. Mm, The ladder. The ladder. Mm. And I do feel that things will start changing, even if it's going to take a long time. And at the end of the day, you do want to... Oh, so what really inspired me on the spreadsheet was like this... Number one regret that everyone has on their deathbed is that I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. So, while keeping up with everyone's demands of you, the society, your parents, your family, let's try to live a life like more authentic to ourselves. Mm. <laughs> no, I agree, I agree. I just think that it's, it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of, because you are going to be a part of society and just the kind of opportunities that are available to you in the country that you're in or the environment that you're in are going to um, m- determine more or less like what you can do. And it's true that you can be a trailblazer, but uh, sometimes I do feel that when the industry or the market is not ready, uh Sometimes you just can't do certain things and like that's maybe just that as well. Yeah, I mean in terms of career. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, yeah. And like for instance, I- let's say you really want to uh live in a place with four seasons, but you can only stay in Singapore. Then that's just something you have to give up. So balancing both the realistic opportunities to you and finding the best path that can work out for you. Yeah, and I guess what we can do for the next generation is to like not be uh crazy stressful parents because like <laughs> remember you were saying your cousin who became parents also turned oh, out to be like that it's so oh, scary i yeah. really hope that i will not be like that 
Okay, <laughs> okay, I see your point, which is uh, like I, I've told Ising about this before, that my cousins who I didn't expect to become a Kiasu parents did turn out to be a Kiasu parent. Yeah, and a, a, a very a lot of people would just say, yeah, it's just the society, man. It's just like the country, man. It's just Singapore. Yeah, like if you don't do that, then you are just literally losing out, and you can't be the only person who's like who lost. Everyone has to lose together. <laughs> That's why we need to start approaching things with once it's not fear so that people stop holding on to this mindset that you're going to lose out if you don't do something that you think you want to do even if it makes you unhappy. Mm. Because mm-hmm. that's that's really dangerous and yeah, that's I, really yeah. stressful. I, okay, so I think one other thing is that um, at least when I was growing up, uh, it was the idea that, okay, you're just going to study hard first and then eventually you'll figure out something or like yeah, you can think yeah. about it later but that brings me back to my childhood <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i don't know if that's the, the best way to go about thinking about it because we realize that once we leave school it's a completely different world and uh whatever that we think we can think about the moment we leave school is kind of like late <laughs> then you that's true that's okay just now we were just discussing about this which is the idea that Oh, you read the article, the Straits Time article, where more Singaporeans are choosing to go into polytechnics. Yes. Which yeah. is super cool. Yes. Wow, a great note to end on, actually. <laughs> Some good news. I, I'm really damn happy about it because it's something that I really wish for the future, which is that uh, technical schools and technical skills are much, much more valued. Um, yeah. Everyone, I mean, not everyone, but we need to start having a broader definition of what success means. Yeah, yeah. And if not, you just get a bunch of like over-educated people who gets really depressed thinking about philosophy. <laughs> about <laughs> philosophy. Yeah. What a good note to end this episode. <laughs> yeah, so takeaway. Send your kids to technical school. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that's a takeaway? Like, uh, didn't sign on to this, but sh- <laughs> we are sponsored by... Okay, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> then you realize at the end of the day, it's like, it's a huge sponsor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, if only oh. once again we're delusional <laughs> no no company has ever sponsored us <laughs> we didn't even try okay <laughs> that's true fair enough yeah so sounds cheese. be more authentic yay yay Woo. see you guys next time ciao ciao bye <laughs>